You enjoying that Hershey bar, boy? Welcome to episode 18 of Comical Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Corbett. With me is... Horse to Cleave! Miguel Garza. <laughs> we also have a couple of guests with us today. Why don't you say hi, guys? Hi, everybody. <laughs> That's uh, Adam and Mike. I'm Adam. I'm Mike. They have a Kickstarter that they're going to tell you a little bit about later on for a project called Blood and Dust, The Life and Undeath of Judd Glinny. When I first wrote that down, I thought it was like Blood and Lust. I was like, hey! <laughs> <laughs> Much different kind of book, but I could write that too. Nice, <laughs> I'm there. Maybe not. I mean, honestly, just a slight alteration of the content. <laughs> we've had a lot of conversations about. Right without him. We've had a lot of conversations yeah. about sex and violence, so yeah, like, that that title would appeal to him, Miguel. <laughs> keep it separate. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, first thing we'd like to do is uh, talk about some comics. Okay. So, Miguel, what were your top two books this week? Well, top two. Uh, number two was X Force. Number five. Okay. It's really cool. That was written by uh, Syce Spurrier. Yeah, it's a good book. It's the best book in the series, in my opinion, so far. Well, you uh, finally see one girl get crazy. Well, you haven't seen a lot from Mero. She's just been kind of moody and emo for the last few issues. And uh, Phantom X has been doing his stupid French accent. Wait, wait. <laughs> keeps going, oh, oh, oh. Uh, he didn't do it this time, <laughs> No, he's finally back to talking like a normal American, which both me and Psylocke enjoyed. Yeah. Wait, wasn't he French? <laughs> well, he, he grew up in France, or he was created in France. Oh, and. French. Uh, He's not actually French, though. He, he has an American identity. He, he even admitted in the third issue of this series that the French accent was just something he liked, and he put on. It's not real. <laughs> <laughs> He's kind of messed up anyway. But yeah, like I said, Mero just goes a little crazy there, and uh, it's really cool. Yeah, you finally get to see Mero like, unleash, because uh, they keep pushing her buttons and pushing her buttons, and she just blows up and takes out an entire room full of uh, would-be assassins and whatnot. And then you find out the truth about why she is the way she is now, why she got her powers back. Yeah, that's kind of... And uh, it's pretty devastating. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, some stuff happens with Cable. Uh, the, the guy they've been chasing for the last four issues, they finally catch him, and he just seems like he's this pushover Russian guy, but that's not the case. No, it's not. <laughs> and then just like what happens at the end, you're like, holy crap. Yeah. So I'm like, whoa. <laughs> it was really good. Uh, it was my number two book as well. Ah, very nice. <laughs> my number one book this week, Superman Doom. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, I agree with you about Superman Doom, Miguel. That was a really good issue. You know, Doomsday is one of my favorite villains of Superman's. I mean, he is just kind of an indestructible monster. Likes to beat on Superman. You've never really seen him do much else beyond that. But in this series, something's different about him. He comes back, and he's smarter, and he's about the same strength, it seems like. But but he's bigger. He's bigger, and for some reason he can teleport, which is really weird. Well, they described him as the first one being like a baby. Like, yeah. Like, he's not even... That wasn't even the true Doomsday. This And he's still growing or whatever. This Really weird. Yeah, they, they, they said that uh, he's absorbing the life energy from things around him, and he kills, like, a shitload of people. Yeah, if he walks by, they die. Things catch on fire. But, I mean, they, they said that Superman is the only person on the planet that could stand up to him, and he can only fight him for ten minutes before he get crapped out, too. So, well, yeah, but doesn't he also, like, what, what's it called? He evolves, doesn't he? So every time he can't, he can't beat him the same way twice. Right, but... Uh, There's some crap that happens when Superman does in this book. You're like, wow. If you've seen any of the uh, previews or... 
preview images for the book, you kind of know that Superman gets infected with some kind of virus and starts turning into Doomsday. Uh, oh, yeah. But the way that it happens is so crazy. Like, you would just never expect Superman to do what Superman does in the yeah. last last panel of the, the He's issue. He's a boy scout. He doesn't do anything like that. He's not Batman. So it was really cool, and that's why it was my number one. I was like, wow. <laughs> I was really impressed with it as well, and it was also my number one. This is one of those rare weeks where we agree on everything. Yeah, I know. How come Batman Eternal's not your number one? How come it's not yours? Well, you know, Because I... it kind of sucked, that's <laughs> no. why. Hey, the Joker's daughter was in it. Yeah, that was a small saving grace, but it hasn't been great for a while. You Have you guys been reading any of the uh, current books? Um, I actually have been reading a lot more lately. Um, I started reading Ryan the Future Force. Okay. I love the hell out of it. I think Clayton Crane's art is beautiful no matter what. I mean, I dug his X-Horse run, and I saw it on Free Comic Book Day, and I snatched it up, and not disappointed at all. It was amazing. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things. It's a book that I have not had a chance to read yet, but uh, you know, I can't read everything. I read like 27 books a week, so. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. No, I got a bunch of stuff in Free Comic Book Day that I'm still looking over. Yeah, us too. We still made it through all the free stuff, but... Uh, my pick of the week. And my pick of the week. It's uh, Shutter number two. That is Joe Keating's and uh, Layla DeLuca. This book is crazy. It's just crazy. You got ghost ninjas, whatever you want to call them, cats, dogs. I, I don't know what's going on in this book anymore. It has, but it's so awesome. It has such a, a weird assortment of characters and, and species within it. It almost feels like Saga. Saga has tons of different aliens and different races, and you just really know, never know what's going to show up. I mean, there's a guy with robot head, whatever. This kind of has the same feel to it, and you really have no idea where the book's going to go, because the first issue had a story about a girl who was raised as an adventurer as an only child, and then you know her, she decided she didn't want to pursue her father's path as an adventurer, and she wanted to become a photographer. So that's what she did. She wrote stories about her past, and she took pictures, and she kind of developed a little bit of notoriety. Come to find out in the last panel of the first issue, she has siblings she never knew about. And then the second issue, you start to see like some of the siblings coming out of the woodwork trying to get in touch with her. Well, you know the dad is gone. The dad's disappeared. We don't know what happened to him. I thought he was dead. He was at the grave when those ninjas came out. So he was at a grave. Oh, that's right. He is dead. But the stuff that happens is just so out there. <laughs> stuff you just wouldn't expect. Yeah. Uh, it's a book that keeps you on your toes, and, and I just loved it. Uh, I can't recommend it highly enough. You know, it's only on the second issue, so it's still pretty easy to pick up the first one, I'd imagine. So uh, all of our listeners should go out there and pick up that that series. Then that I'm snake looking at it right now. It's beautiful. Oh, yeah. The artwork's amazing. That snake thing comes out of that one guy. I'm like, what is happening? There's <laughs> no fish people. That's right, Merman. No fish people. <laughs> oh, in case you guys didn't know, Merman is the official mascot of the show. That's right. And, uh... <laughs> Not peace <basically. laughs> he, uh, he comes around every once in a while. He has, he has little comments on about on a lot of stuff. <laughs> uh, did you, have you guys seen uh, the, the, the... What's it called? The uh, Batman Unwrapped? Batman Unwrapped. No? Yeah, it's the, it's the new Andy... It's a uh, new Andy Cooper collection... From his Graham Morrison run. It's just all pencils, no inks. Uh-oh, I haven't seen that. Oh, man, you guys got to check it out. It's beautiful. I saw it at uh, Barnes & Noble today, and his artwork is so much better when it's not inked. It just has so much more to it. Huh, I'll have to check that out. Call him tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't say no to new comics. Yeah, it's not cheap, but it looks like it's going to be worth it. Oh, that's cool. Cool. We love Batman on this show. Yeah. Who doesn't love Batman and Batfleck? See, I already said that earlier. <laughs> I said that comment not too long ago. Last week. Everybody loves Batman. If not, there's something wrong with it. What do you think about uh, the images of Batman uh, from the new movie? I love it. It, it looks pretty sweet. I, I'm, I'm pretty excited by it. I, you know, and that was the, you know, the old Batfleck thing or whatever. I, you know, I think the dude's going to do awesome. And you know, the car looks pretty sweet. So Yeah, I like, the way the, what, I like the way the Batmobile looks a lot. And I like the short ears. I think that's a really good yes. costume decision. <laughs> what I like is that it looks like a, like a Pulo's Batman. Yeah. Kind of. It looks, looks kind of like Jim Lee's also. Yeah, kind of, yeah. 
I can see it. The only thing I don't like is the texture looks kind of like, like really old Play-Doh. Yeah. <laughs> so it looks like they just started like slapping stuff on him and just trying to see what sticks. There was some amazing... Well, it also looked veiny. If you, have you seen the comparisons to yes. the bat suit being veiny to a certain veiny phallic object that somebody might purchase <laughs> in an adult establishment? <laughs> I have not seen that one. I've, I've seen a few funny photoshops of the image. Maybe the one with Robin? Yeah, the one with Batman and Robin and Matt Damon's hiding inside the Batmobile. That was pretty oh. funny. <laughs> yeah, you should, you should try and find the veiny one, because, yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll take a look for it. If I find it, I'll, I'll post it with the episode. <laughs> Thank you, Batman. Yeah, this is what we're going to be known for. Thanks, dude. <laughs> well, it's just the next evolution. We've had nipples on a bat suit before. The bat, bat nipples. Bat cheeks, yeah. Bat dong. Yeah. Dope. Complete bat package. package right there. <laughs> Why would you put veins on the... Oh, whatever. <laughs> Same thing as the nipples. It's a rubber costume, man. Why would you put veins on it? Well, I'm certainly no. I'd be more scared thinking it was that coming at me. <laughs> it's like, okay, it's like with Iron Man's costume. Look at Iron Man's armor from when uh, Bob Lane was drawing it back in the 70s. The old gold and red one. Why in God's name did he have abs? What purpose did that serve? He had abs and he had quads and like biceps on his armor. Oh, Does man. anyone know what this is? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I don't know why they were there. What the hell? Why would you do that? Because I think if you work that hard on your body, even if you put a rubber suit on or a metal suit, you still want everybody to know, I'm rocking it underneath this thing. <laughs> Just so you know. <laughs> yeah. A rubber suit could have done so much for Paul Giamatti and Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> still hit the Iron Rhino, eh? Yeah, I'm not a fan of Iron Rhino. But... You know, honestly, I haven't even seen it yet. It, it's not terrible. I mean, the, the critics panned it. And there was some problems with it. There's definitely flaws. I mean, there's flaws in every movie. But if you can just look past them and enjoy it for what it is, it's a fun movie. The Comical Podcast Review, it's not terrible. <laughs> you should see it in uh, IMAX 3D. Really, I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it a lot. I enjoyed it too. But, you know, I see why other people didn't. I don't even bother the theaters anymore, man. I don't give a damn what anybody else says. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, if I can't watch it, I just have to wait till it comes out. I Throwing on at home. Can't, uh, that's the worst thing about loving movies yet hating being out, <laughs> you know, among people and stuff is you don't get to see anything right away, so you have to do it up at home. Yeah. It's really the people part that I have a problem with. I By think... the way, everybody love us and pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> we like you, just not <laughs> everyone else. Try to get him to go out and see Godzilla with me tonight, and he's like, uh, no. <laughs> I didn't say no. I said I had to edit the show. <laughs> we didn't sleep last time. I don't Wait know. We'll see what happens. All right. All right, so why don't you guys go ahead and tell us a little bit about your project. We've got a comic called Blood and Dust, The Life of Blood and Death of Judd Glenny. And really what we've done is we've created something that's been, I, I would say, you know, everybody wants to say their stuff is different, but our, ours is, in a way, we based our character out of a lot of history. Judd Glenny was a uh, Southerner back during the Civil War, and his land was taken by the Union, his family was killed by the Union Army, and, the, and these are all, everything we talk about, the, his family being killed, everything we did was based on real events. So, you know, the hotel that's burned that killed his family, that really happened. So we like to tie our, our book and our, our series together with history. So Judd, you know, through a series of events and, and through these horrible tragedies, ends up being part of Quantrill's Raiders, which was the most brutal group of Southern soldiers there were. They were more vigilantes than soldiers. Frank and Jesse James rode with them. So it was a, 
uh, he rode with the, a pretty mean group, and he was the meanest of them. So after the war ends, you know, he has nothing to do, so he, he tries to go west, find some redemption, and he ends up passing through Oklahoma, tries to have some love, doesn't work out for him, goes out west, tries to find himself uh, where the Indian shaman tries to clear his spirit, and the first American vampire is born, because um, his spirit animal happens to be a vampire. So, to fast forward through the events, Judd, you know, is the baddest man in the Old West as a vampire. He's a very, uh, the terror of the Old West. Nobody knows he's a vampire, but, you know, they know that something's off. Goes through a series of life, and uh, we catch up with him in the 1970s, where he's gotten control of himself again, um, but he is now taking care of a family he didn't know he had. So, he has a daughter who is his real arch enemy, is his real nemesis, is his granddaughter, the the girl he turned back in the 20s. Um, she lives upstairs. She is completely insane. She is one of the most violent, vicious um, creatures that walk the earth, and he has to protect everybody from her. She also has uh, three kids who are three vampires. They never get older, never grow up, never mature. They're not the they're not the vampires that you know. 30 years later, they act like you know people that have been around. Or 100 years later, they are always going to act like children. And so Judd, who used to be the baddest man in the old west, is now babysitting three monster kids and protecting um, the world from this crazy creature that he has bolted upstairs. That sounds That's pretty the interesting. Premise of our book, without any spoilers. <laughs> so the granddaughter is yeah, the one upstairs, right? Yeah, a lot of background, right? but the book itself is is really believe it or not, vehicle to tell this story. <laughs> Honestly, all that stuff is really just surface stuff. There, are, he actually literally gave nothing about the backstory, and, and actually the really, really amazing parts about it that really make it flow. That's just the tip. Hmm. So the one upstairs locked up is his granddaughter. You said? Yep. Yeah, that's his granddaughter. Huh. Got to keep her chained by her neck to a wall like a giant, one of those big, heavy gauge chains. Nice. That's kind of cool. Because she will get free and eat anything and destroy everything, and she can't be killed. Huh. <laughs> so I touched his back. He was a part of. He was a Confederate soldier. Loses everything to fire and the Union soldiers. How much of that is in the book? A lot of that is really the the ultimate backstory for the backstory. We're doing a six issue series that we're going to be telling the story through flashbacks. So we want to tell you Judd's origin story, but we're only going to tell you small pieces of it as it goes through. So you're going to know about the fighting and everything, but we're going to get much more in depth. Uh, you know, in a way, it's almost kind of like uh, the old Highlander series, you know, where, you know, you would get little pieces as you go through until you get the fuller picture of who Judd is and what he's done. There could be so only in one. Our book, I'm sorry. <laughs> there could be only one. Highlander. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And he is the one. Uh, <laughs> and so, you know, as we tell the story, you're going to see pieces of this, but the actual content of the six-issue run um, that we're doing is really uh, telling a whole different story. This is about... Uh, how Judd protects the small children of this town from something that lives in the swamp that they call the Boggy Depot monster. Um, and as the flare-ups and the storyline and everything evolves, he's going to have some people that he's going to be basically telling some things to that are going to recall the story, and you're going to start piecing these things together. But it's only going to be a real a scraping across the top of his whole story because we're going to tell a lot of his story as the book evolves and continues. Ah, cool. I like it. I like it, too. So is this going to be uh, the kind of series that you'll have multiple miniseries that come after it? That's the plan, yeah. We really like... I mean, if you look at comics from just straight up a business aspect, you know, what what are more people... What, what do they tend to grab onto? Do they grab onto issue number one or issue number four? Or are they going to grab on issue number 453? They're not going to jump on that one. Unless they know exactly what's going on and it has a, a whole new direction on the cover, they're not going to get on it. So I really like the fact that it gives us a lot more freedom to do little minis all around, you know, basically tying and creating a whole universe for ourselves, a giant sandbox versus 
oh, I created this one thing, and it's been going now for 22 years, and nobody knows what's going on if they're new. I've seen a lot of that lately. A lot of people are starting to write their books that way. They'll have small mini-series, and then if they do well enough, they'll continue the story. They'll, they'll build on the world. I think that's a great approach to comics, to making comics nowadays. It, it is. You know why? Because it's not yeah, That's where I'm... Oh, go ahead, dude. No, no, I mean, uh, you're, you're right on the money. I mean, because that was my thing, too, is, um, you know, I, I did not read books every week. Um, I don't go to the comic store every week. Um, I buy uh, full full graphic novels um, because I don't... <laughs> I, I don't... I'm one of those people that don't watch uh, regular television most of the time because I'd rather watch a series from start to finish because I hate waiting a week. Um, <laughs> so we, we really wanted to create the, the... Every six issues is a whole new story arc, a whole new storyline, and some one-offs of some fun, you know, one-issue stories of really just, you know, watch how Judd kills an entire town. It sounds pretty cool. Um, you know, Miguel's like a huge fan of vampires. I don't know if you've listened to the show, but I know you were going to do this. <laughs> you know, M- Miguel prefers them when they're like perpetually seventeen years old and sparkle in the sunlight. What the hell, man? <laughs> oh. No, 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 no. We had this conversation. Look, I am a fan of Twilight. Yes, I am. I will admit it. I have a daughter who likes the movies and the books as well, and I actually enjoyed it. I admit I enjoyed the series, but I also like the bloodlust vampire killing things. You know, werewolves type of stuff. So I like it all. And I saw when you wrote in your little thing, like, there's, they don't sparkle. <laughs> no sparkles here. Oh, no. And I was just thinking, too, I was like, uh-oh. Somebody's been tweeting a lot of trash about sparkly vampires. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've, we've, it's been brought up a few times on the show. Uh, yeah. Actually, an episode, like, three episodes ago, I think. Uh, we really laid into him for that. Yeah. He was talking about how he made his wife go and watch the second movie with him because nobody else would go. Oh, well, my daughter couldn't go. <laughs> she was away. <laughs> So here's the thing. I mean, those. Uh, if you really, really look at it, you got to kind of tip your hat to that lady, though, because she's not going to have to field calls from people that she doesn't want to talk to for the rest of her life. Yeah, that's true. So sparkly vampires or not, she she cracked the code, man. Hats off. I mean, I'm not going to write a sparkly vampire book. <laughs> Our, ours is a lot closer to Stephen Niles, you know, things, and, and yeah, just ripping things to pieces. You know, they're not Russian, but still. Yeah. yeah. Vampire guy like in Chew? Do you read Chew? Oh, I love Chew. Yeah. <laughs> Chew's really messed good. Up. That's one of my favorite books. But uh, So we were looking at some of the art, and you got Rudy Vasquez to do the art, right? Yes. The yes. art is incredible, guys. Like I'm, I'm really impressed by it. Where'd y'all meet Rudy? Um, I've actually known Rudy since 2001. We both lived in El Paso together. We were working for a company that's out of business now. And he was doing a whole separate book, and I was working on a book with with an artist named Juan Jose Ritt. I don't know if you've seen his artwork for, I think it's Avatar Press. He did a lot of stuff for Frank Miller's Robocop. Okay. And uh, Rudy was doing a whole separate book. Then he fell out with them too. And I've been trying to get him to do stuff for years. And this came along. We needed an artist for it. I called him up and he was down. But that was in 2007, I want to say. 2007, 2008. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So who came up, Who? who which one of you guys came up with the concept for the story? It, it, was, it was really a joint effort. It, it really was us brainstorming together on ideas, and we came up with it as an evolution of ideas that we were talking about. You know, we were, uh, we were, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Al. I was going to say, it was just, it was just pure chance, man, that I got assigned to a role with a company that we both used to work for, and I was writing these terrible little scripts, and he was doing the audio for them, and the next thing you know, we just started talking about comics, and we dug comics, and you know, he showed me something he had written about a vampire in Oklahoma that I loved, and then we started kicking around other ideas, and one thing evolved into another one, and boom, this thing came out, and it 
it just kept on growing and getting bigger and bigger. So with the Kickstarter, are you guys going to self-publish, or are you going to try to get it uh, published through another company? We're uh, we're going to self-publish um, issue one. You know, when it comes to trying to get into a company, you know, if you haven't worked for them, then there's really no discussion. Um, <laughs> it's a uh, it's really a show us what you've done that you've done. You're trying to join an exclusive club. Right. You know, you're trying to join a club where people have paid their dues and they've worked their butts off and it's old school mentality of you got to do it too. And so that's our thing is, you know, we've put the book together. We got the artist, the lettering, the Kickstarter, the money, the publishing, the following. Um, now it's, here's what we're bringing to the table. You know, hopefully we'll go from issue one and they'll be like, rock on. Or, you know, it's if it's not, then great. Then we will continue to uh, promote. We'll do a Kickstarter for book two, and then we'll just self-publish uh, all the way through it if we have to. Okay. Mark Wade had a really, really great quote that he had. It He said that uh, the comic book industry is pretty much like Fort Knox. Once you find a way in, they're real quick to wall it up and make sure you can't get in again. And make sure nobody else can get in either. So it, it's super hard to get with a publisher. Honestly, the goal, it would be beautiful to get in with a publisher, but we're not worrying about it. You know, we're just, we're still going to submit, obviously. You know, we'll put it out there. If somebody likes it, wonderful. If not, well, I mean, we're happy working together. We, we like what we're doing. And, I mean, he was reading, rereading the scripts for issues two and three and just getting completely stoked about it. So, that's awesome. It, yeah, it, it's just one of those things where, I don't know, everybody else is chasing after them, but we're just kind of doing our own thing. And if it works out, awesome. If not, I'm, I don't know about you, dude, but I'm completely content just making sure it gets out there and yeah. that we get to work some more. Yeah. We, I mean, seriously, we love the story. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he wasn't kidding. I'm sitting there sending him text messages. I'm looking at the story uh, for the first time in a while, uh, rereading and doing some editing and getting it to um, uh, get it to somebody to have a look at. And I'm just reading. I'm literally, and, it, and this sounds ridiculous and so, so gratifying, but it's great. Um, I, I was getting goosebumps. I'm like, damn, this was good. I feel the same way when I listen to my podcast. So, <laughs> so you understand. There's nothing wrong with being proud of your work. <laughs> well, I, we can tell you right now, when it does come out, we'll definitely pick it up. Oh, yeah. Well, for sure. And, of course, we'll definitely do whatever we can to spread the word about it. Yeah. That's outstanding. Thank you. I really appreciate it. It's uh, just one of those things where, you know, this is what indie is, you know. We're kind of establishing ourselves as a big indie presence yeah, comics. As, as most of that. most of the writers and artists that we've had on have worked for Image or IDW or uh, even like Omar Spahi and Seek Donnelly. They've been on. They started their own company, Awesome Awesome Comics. We're big supporters of the indie books, so hopefully yeah, we can help you guys some too. I really appreciate yes. it. Yeah, because yeah, really. that was exactly what we were looking for. I mean, you know, you got all the big ones that all want to talk about big two and Batman and everything. It's like, well, that's cool and, and that's the market, but we want to talk to people that are all about indie and, and you know, the big ones are great and we love those books too, but you know, it's the, the small guys that are continuing the evolution of comics. Um, you know, it's not about men in tights all the time. You know, there's an evolution and these are great stories and a lot of the best pop culture you know, movies uh, that so many people don't know. You know, we, we talk to people all the time. And they're like, oh, why would why, why should I support an indie? Well, you ever heard of Kick-Ass, Men in Black? You know, let, let's talk about a list of things that are... 30 Days of Night? Things. 30 Days of Night. <laughs> um, that's what happens, guys. Yeah. I mean, when I first got back into comics four years ago, um, you know, my, my, my initial poll list was basically all Marvel with a little bit of DC. And then I started picking up random image books. And then... It got skewed the other way a little bit. I almost read no DC titles anymore. I read a lot of Marvel still, but I read way more independent books than uh, I do either of the big two. Same here. I have a lot of image, uh, a lot 
A lot of IDW, a lot of Boom, a lot of Dynamite. Dark Horse. A lot of Avatar, a lot of Oni Press. I mean, the independent guys are just kicking ass. This 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 year has been the year of the independent books. There's been so many good titles that have come out. I honestly think this decade is the year of independence because if you look at it, the, the projects that you're seeing becoming more and more mainstream, amazingly enough, are the independent books. Yeah. You know, Hellboy is really, really starting to, to bring itself to the forefront. You see a lot of Dark Horse stuff, and it's funny because there was an article about Dark Horse having to pare down and it's like, yeah, they pared down their, their staff, but man, they're they're starting to catch fire again, you know? Yeah. With the the bureau, was it the BPRD and the Bureau of Paranormal Research and Development? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that stuff is taking off, and and they, they have the same mentality. I'm not really worried about what's cool, what everybody else is doing. We're going to do what we're doing. If you like it, great. If not, well, you know. And that's you know, and that's and that's kind of an important thing. Do you want to work on something? evolutionary, creative, and, and something that you have complete control over? Or would you like to work on something that has a very entrenched canon that we don't feel like messing with, or we're going to mess with and you don't have much control over? You know, there's all kinds of things that, you know, people are like, oh, wouldn't you love to write Batman? And, yeah, that'd be, that'd be incredible, but it's still not mine. It would just be my addition to this wonderful canon, mm-hmm. you know, but would I rather have my own creation that I own from top to bottom? Hell yeah, I want to do that, and that's why so many indies are doing so well is because it's so cool and so many different things that people aren't seeing. No, I know exactly what you mean. I'm actually uh, an aspiring writer myself. I've got a story that is finally fully outlined, and I started writing my first script, so... For too long, hopefully I'll be looking for an artist and trying to move along with that. <laughs> Tell us, do it, man. Make it happen. I mean, this is, it, it, it was funny because when we first started out, we are like, we're going to pitch it here, we're going to pitch it there, and they're going to love it, and this is where things start. And then it didn't work out. And it's not because it's not a good story, it's just because at that point in time, the economy was downhill, and I, I got a response from another book that I submitted to Boom when Mark, I, I don't know if he's still the editor-in-chief, but when he was still working there, He's like, and Ross Ritchie as well. I got an email from Ross saying, we like it, but we've already got our lineup planned out and budgetary concerns and this and that. And I was like, all right, well, I can't do much with that. You know, you can't, it's not a you suck, go away. It's a, hey, this is what it is. So at some point in time, you just got to kind of go your own way. Yeah. And the good news about it is when you start getting your script together and you start looking for the, for the artists and everything, it's, this is one of the most fun things we've ever done. Yes. Um, just the process of, of creating something and, and really following through with it and meeting so many people that are so, you know, it's a protected world, but you meet some really great, nice, gracious people um, that are very helpful. You know, Mark Wade was super nice and super helpful to us, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and when you get a guy that's that cool to you, that's pretty awesome. Um, when it's that guy, um, you know, but, and, and it's going to be a, a, an adventure and a huge learning curve. Oh my God. We've really been putting this book together for about 10 years now. Oh, wow. Um, you know, and, and it is just such a crazy thing to, to learn how to do the networking, everything and, and, and getting in and, <laughs> and then the publishing and all everything else. But it is so much fun. I, I cannot imagine anything that I could have this much fun doing. Try podcasting. You know how awkward our <laughs> to Brian Polito was? Oh yeah, you learn how to pitch really poorly to someone like Brian Polito. That was awesome. Yeah, they they, they are not. And he was not because here's the thing: we're both we're both adults, and the kind of people we are as adults, we're very alpha male. Just give it to me what I do wrong, so I can fix it next time. And I guess he got that from us because wow, we got blown up. <laughs> well, you know, it was it was in that. I'm I'm telling you this for your own good. How are you going to take yep. it kind of way? And that was that was very cool. You know, we appreciated him taking the time to, to let us know. Most That's good. Yeah. 
Yeah, meeting new people doing this podcast has been really cool. Meeting the new writers and Omar, who was talking about earlier. It's really cool. These people are really nice, really gracious. I mean, we talk to them, they tweet us, but we just have conversations with them whenever. It's out of the blue, just stupid stuff. And it's really cool. It's made me appreciate uh, comics a lot more, the books that I read, because I understand the blood, sweat, and tears they put into it. It's really cool. <laughs> You know what, if you ever get a chance, you know who you'd do really well to, if you could ever get him, would be Frank Carey. Yeah, I know who he is. He and Clifford Meth. Cliff Meth, uh, he's, uh, he works for, he owns Ardwolf Publishing. Yeah, I've never heard of him. You'll dig him. Okay. That dude is just entrenched in comic book history, and, and he's the guy in the background that you never saw for decades, but he's always there. Cool, I'll look him up. He's very cool. All right, well, let's, uh, let's uh, move on to the next thing. We have to do a little bit of shilling for our <laughs> advertiser. <laughs> oh, that's fine. <laughs> hey, maybe advertiser, that's a good thing. Put your book Show out on it. this. Go ahead. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, if you like the show and you want to support us, all you have to do is go to audibletrial.com/comical and sign up for a free 30-day trial with audible.com. Get free download. Uh, you get one free downloaded book, and uh, if you enjoy the service, you can keep it. It's only 14.99 a month. If you don't enjoy it, you can always cancel it, and there's no charge, and we still get the benefit from you guys giving it a try. And you still get your one free book. That's right. <laughs> Uh, alternatively, if you want to support the show, but you're not interested in Audible, or you don't like audiobooks, or you've already tried it before, uh, you can just donate to us directly through PayPal. There's a link on our website. Uh, anything you can do is appreciated, but we're not begging, so. <laughs> <laughs> we're begging. Yeah, we, we came on the show to do the begging. Right we'll be on the corner later with a, with a sign, please donate. <laughs> and thank you to the people that have contributed, because uh, yeah, without you guys, everything we needed for Comic Palooza, we'd be sorely behind on or we'd be going with no money in our pockets to actually enjoy the con so thank you so much for the people that contributed and helped us thank you thank you thank you thank you, thank you. <laughs> all right enough of that i see any of that money <laughs> yeah you have <laughs> oh yeah it's all on the stuff <laughs> all, right. all right enough of that so uh Uh-oh. let's move on to the next section you know we can include them on this section too you know oh we're going to include them i've already Very talked nice. to them and they're interested so <laughs> but first it's you so miguel tell me a funny story Okay, I'll try again. Uh, I don't know why you think my stories are so funny. Maybe it's just because it's tragedy that happens to me and you you love bad things happening to me. <laughs> we call this a taste of chocolate. <laughs> I know this story is funny because I was there. Okay, I sit on one side of the row. My man Justin sits on the other side. So occasionally I'll walk We sit, we sit in cubicles. Yeah. I have the wall, the windows, and you know he sits in the middle. And uh, so I walk over there once in a while, just sit across from him, you know, talk to him. But on that desk across from his is usually a bucket that our boss throws a lot of candy in there. So there's always chocolate, especially during Halloween and Easter. He brings whatever his, you know, doesn't want to give his grandkids whatever he has left, throws it in the bin. Well, I love chocolate. <laughs> He's an addict. So uh, <laughs> so I, I'll pick up a couple pieces. And this particular instance, it was a Hershey bar, a small one. I peeled it and I put it in my mouth. It was a small one, so it's not that big. I don't have to bite you're not, you're not telling it right. Well, okay. You were sitting there reading the comic with your back to me. Yeah, I was going to say I turned around. Okay. <laughs> so I had my back to him, so I'm sitting here ready to eat the chocolate. And I throw it in my mouth, and I am, what was I reading? Some comic. It was intense. Of... It might have been Chew for all we know. Yeah. I think it was, actually. And I was kind of chuckling a little bit, and then Justin does the unthinkable. I, I snuck up behind him like I was going to slee stack him, but uh, I didn't. I walked up to him, and I went, you enjoying that Hershey bar, boy? <laughs> So I instantly start laughing, and the chocolate was still in my mouth. <clears throat> so I start choking, 
and he's here laughing at me. I'm choking, and you're choking and laughing and coughing and choking and, <laughs> and laughing and coughing. And so I get up from the chair. Well, you have to understand the backstory also. My boss always threatens. He's the life support saver. He's the guy with the red badge on the floor. So if you go down, he's the guy that does the mouth to mouth. Every every floor has one person who's responsible for he's uh, the medical care. Responded he's, person or whatever yeah. they call. And so he always threatens to trach me if I fall down. So <laughs> so I'm choking. I'm turning blue, I guess. And I'm trying to get the hell out of this cubicle. So I stumble out of the cubicle, go around the corner, and I go away. And I come, you know, Justin doesn't even know what happens to me. I figure he made it back to his desk. I didn't realize. That he had fallen over and he was crawling for his life. I went around the corner. I had fell down to my knees. I'm choking and coughing. I'm drooling on the freaking carpet as I'm going to the door, hitting myself in the chest, trying to get the the chocolate to go down, trying to get to the door to go out to the first floor. One of the people in the other apartment opened the door and walked right by you. Yeah, they looked at me choking. I'm, I'm, I'm crying so hard. I'm like, <laughs> like the slobbering galore. I assumed you had made it back to your desk. <laughs> I finally get to where I need to get. I get a, a drink of water, but I'm like, all right. Okay, I'm brown as day, but brown as the night. Excuse he, me. he was trying to make it out into the hall. We, we work on the second floor. He's trying to make it out into the hallway so we could throw himself over the balcony just to avoid getting CPR from our boss or, or a tracheotomy, which he constantly threatens to give you. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, yeah, so I'm extremely brown, and so I'm like really red, <laughs> and I can't even catch my breath. I have tears just dreaming down, just coming down my face. I think I had chocolate drool on my lips. <laughs> it was pretty bad. Like <laughs> when I saw you, you were a mess, <laughs> and you, were, you couldn't even talk anymore. You're like Justin. That wasn't <laughs> he's, funny. Not even, he's not like, oh, are you okay, man? No, he's sitting there busting out laughing. I think he's gonna fall out of his chair. I think he's gonna. I mean, he starts almost crying because he's just laughing at me because it's like, dude, I was slobbering on the damn floor. <laughs> I was on all fours, crawling toward the door, trying to get the hell out of there. But yeah, so my pain, your my funny story, <laughs> your pain. You had to be there to see it. I'm not doing it justice. No, you're not. But it, it, was, <laughs> it was a really funny moment. Now, now I do have a question. So I have to bring us back to the one person on each floor that's responsible for keeping you alive. What happens if that dude <laughs> called out sick? <laughs> Every man for himself. <laughs> <laughs> then you got to throw yourself <laughs> off the balcony. Die at work today, boy. It's fate. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so they enjoyed my suffering. And so now, whenever I get a piece of chocolate, I look at him and I walk away. He breaks <laughs> off little parts and eats them in tiny little bites so that I can't make him laugh anymore. And in case you don't know what slee stacking is, did you guys ever watch The Land of the Lost back in the 80s? Oh, yeah. We play this game where we try to sneak up on each other and surprise each other. And uh, whenever we do, we'll make the slee stack sound. You know, it needs to go... And... Uh, <laughs> So I got him one time, like the very first time. It wasn't much of a jump, but then he got me when I was getting some water, so he freaked me out. Of course, I spilled water. He tends to slee stack me in places you shouldn't be slee stacking people. <laughs> You're the same way. I just so. want to call out that it sounds like slee stacking should be something that's in a personal's ad on Craigslist. Comfortable reading. <laughs> well, he did slee stack me in the bathroom. That makes it so. That makes it so much funnier, right? The name is just so perfect. <laughs> Go ahead, there, right there. He did slee stack me in the bathroom. <laughs> I'm in a far stall, the door is shut, I'm the only one in there, he comes in and turns the lights off and... <laughs> what the hell, man? Turn on the lights! <laughs> we have fun at work. I don't know if your office is like that. <laughs> so yeah, although he got slee stacked today. I did get slee stacked. Somebody got him to sleep, they slee stacked him today and he jumped. Yeah. <laughs> it was, was great. <laughs> I heard a noise and I turned around and looked. There was nobody there. I stood up, I didn't see anybody, sat back down, turned around and then they were, they were right there. Scared the shit out of me. <laughs> it happens. 
I'm gonna have to try that at work. I walked up on my boss the other day, scared him so bad, he wants me to wear a bell. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's perfect. You slew stack everybody that way. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Then when you we don't play that... We have nobody to save us, you know that, right? Huh? <laughs> like, that's if okay. one of us goes down, there's nobody there to save us. <laughs> <laughs> we do have a third guy on our team who's a, uh, uh, how would you describe him? He's a practitioner of Eastern medicine and... Yeah. He does Qigong, Qigong and, and acupuncture. and He does yoga now, too. Just, like, all kinds of holistic stuff. He thinks he can save you from anything. So, yeah, we got that guy on our side. So, in case the other guy's not there, he'll do it. We had one of those. They fired him. <laughs> <laughs> Did, uh... Stench of patchouli tends to make it a hostile work environment, usually. <laughs> well, we, we come up with, uh crazy games and stuff all the time. We just got to keep our lives interesting because we got to have material for the show. So, yeah, constantly so, coming up with new stuff. Yeah, we're driving home in traffic. It motivates you, man. They, yeah, there could be worse hobbies to have. Yeah. Yeah, this is true. You could golf. <laughs> <laughs> we try. <laughs> so, do you guys have a hey, funny story for us as well? well oh, let's see here. Adam, did you want to talk about Comic-Con? Oh, my God. So, um... And I think it was 2007 or 2008, I won the comic book dirt, the geek contest at the Phoenix Comic Con. Mike had just, you were just at post off from cancer, weren't you? Yeah. From having, yeah, yeah he had cancer. That was like my first time out of the house. Yeah, but it was like way too soon, so he was exhausted like the whole time, poor dude. But he muscled through, and he actually signed me up for this, this comic book trivia thing. I wasn't going to do it. And I was like, all right, fine. So I went in, and I survived day one. Then I survived day two, and then I get to day three. Day three, there was four of us, three of us, I don't remember, but Mike had to bounce out. And one of the guys, all he knew, and it's amazing, I've never seen anybody like this, he knew every single thing, like 1970s Amazing Spider-Man trivia. Huh. Everything. Like, he was referencing, like, the, what's this, Big Wheel and, and all this other crap. And I was barely keeping up. The only thing that kept me alive, it's, it's kind of embarrassing, is my knowledge of, like, 90s image comics. Mm-hmm. And he knew nothing about that. So What's I, embarrassing about that? Oh, really? <laughs> you ever read any 90s image comics? <laughs> yeah, plenty of them. Oh, my God. I understand. That's a company that's come a long way. Yeah. It's come a long way. But what's funny about it is, it's, and I remember even the, the guy up there, he's like, how the hell do you even know this much about this stuff? And I was like, it's embarrassing, but this is what I used to read all the time as a kid. So, anyways, the last day, this kid shows up, and I shouldn't say kid because he was like 22 years old. But he shows up. I think he might have been older than that. He might have been, dude. He showed up in a full Spider-Man costume, and not like the footies one. Like he made a spandex Spider-Man costume, and he was in the middle of this of this contest with this web mask on and everything. Like he was full on cosplay. And keep in mind, this was before cosplay was as big as it was. Now you did not see this happening that much. So a, a dude in a full on Spidey suit in a in a, in a comic book trivia contest was one of the coolest, most awesome, and ridiculous things I'd ever seen in my life. And watching Adam going at it with him was awesome. <laughs> so this this guy, he got so excited, it was like somebody had fed him just intravenous Mountain Dew. Because at one point in time, he, like, they asked a question, and he was watching me, and the, he knew the answer, and he knew it right as soon as he was done, so he shot his hand up so hard that he, like, launched himself off of his chair. <laughs> and he's landing on the ground, I was like, well, it's not very Spidey-like, dude. And... <laughs> So he gets to his feet and he answers the question, and I can see the hosts are like, okay. And it wasn't even an amazing grand prize. It was a, one of those Batman black and white statues, uh-huh. the, the the resin ones, the Jim Apparel one. Yeah, those and, are nice. And 
honestly, I didn't really care about it. But when I, I heard him say to his friend, he goes, I don't, I don't like this guy. I don't like him. All I want, I want that statue. I want that statue. This guy's being a jerk. And, and how is he even still in it? And just really, really stupid exclusionary comic geek stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And the only thought in my mind was, I don't even want the fucking statue. But you know what? You're not getting it. And I'm going to make sure you don't get it. And I just kept staring at him and staring at him while he was answering his questions. And I could see him looking at his peripheral. And Mike was, unfortunately, kind of wish you were there for that. I just kept on, like, when I answer my question, I just look at him, you know? And it got to the very end, and I don't know how, but we ended up tied up at the very end. So they did a Jeopardy-type deal. And they asked us a question, but beforehand they had us wager, how, you know, the amount of points that we want to wager. And then they asked us a question. Well, I know for a fact that I'm not... They asked it about Final Crisis, and I hadn't read it yet. And nobody knew what the hell happened in that book anyways, because it was so bloody acid-trippy. <laughs> and I put down my points, he put down his points, they asked the question, I answered some stupid answer, I didn't know what the answer was, he answered the wrong answer, and I remember the look on his face, I'll never forget it, because the guy goes up, he goes, well, he goes, do we have a winner? He goes, we have a winner, but not the way that we thought, and I could just see the guy, he's just like, I got him, I got him, and he goes, and the winner is Adam, and I was like, yeah, and he goes, oh no, first he says, this guy said, give the answer, he said whatever it was, and he said he wagered 100 points. And Adam said this, which is also wrong, and he wagered no points. And that's how I won. I totally <laughs> kicked him out of it. He got nothing. He looked so crestfallen. It was awesome. And I walked up. I got my statue. I got my picture taken. He had to take this little cheapy... You remember those dancing hula girls? He got a little dancing Hellboy hula girl. <laughs> so for all of his stupid ass. It's actually kind of a cool prize, honestly. No, it's not. <laughs> I take it. You, you take that over the Batman statue. Yeah, no, you would not. No. Definitely not. He went from a the statue is like almost a foot tall. It's a beautiful, beautiful statue. He went from that to a Hellboy hula girl that you stick on your dashboard and like a comic book, a graphic novel of some sort. Not a happy. And I just remember looking at him and just holding my statue and looking at him with that look like ah, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> He's in full costume, just nothing. He walked away empty. I could see he was just angry. I think he had won it the year before, too. Yeah, he had. So you well, beat Spider-Man. The funny thing was, you could tell this dude studied. And Adam just walked in cold. Okay. <laughs> you know, and he's the, and it's the nicest guy in the world. He's like, I'm, I'm just here, and I'm winning at a stu- I'm doing stupid good. I mean, and seriously, the questions were, like, insane. I was out in, like, beginning of first round. They asked me, I'm like, I don't know, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been reading comics since I was, like, 11, 12 years old. No, I didn't know the entire thing about the Jerry Conway, Ross Andrew run on Spider-Man. And, you know, I couldn't tell you what Aunt May's middle name is, but I'll tell you what, man. You ask me some worthless image knowledge, I'll tell you all about it. <laughs> Get in there, brigade. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go, Bloodstone. Aww. <laughs> yeah, see, you know what's up, you know what's up. <laughs> that was Shadowhawk and those guys back Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Shadowhawk Shadow was Hawk. Valiant, I think. Actually. No, no Shadowhawk was Image. Was it? Was okay. Night Stalk Night. Wildcats. Oh my Wildcats god. Wildcats was Jim Lee. Max yeah. the Pit. Max with its bizarre long run. That's another acid trip. And Savage Dragon one as well. Savage Dragon was one. I think I have some of these at the house. Oh, yeah, I got a bunch <laughs> of them in the closet right there behind you. Savage was Dragon Prime was one? What was the What was the series where Prime there was, was a guy named Prime? Prime yeah. was Ultraverse. That was Ultraverse. That's what it was, Ultraverse, because I have a bunch of Ultraverse. I still have a bunch of Ultraverse that I'm pretty sure I could I don't know, start a charcoal fire with or something. <laughs> They're good. Like I'll take it. I'm Hold on to them. Like they might be valuable one day. Honestly, <laughs> the, the Prime books, the Norm Breakfogel stuff from Prime was actually a lot of fun to read. It just did nothing. Yeah. 
died painfully. Oh, that's me. I humiliated a little spider geek and took his prize, took his toys away. Took his manhood. Right, stop bragging about it, because now we sound like jerks instead of a <laughs> Whatever. That's okay. I'll make sure Miguel humiliates some kid what? at Comic Palooza, so. I know that's going to happen. That way I look better. That's what I do. <laughs> Are you going to tell him about me yelling at the Little Caesars guy now? What, are you drunk? We don't need to rehash every episode. <laughs> they can go back and listen to the episodes if they want to hear more funny stories from you. Now I have to. <laughs> <laughs> I can refer you. I'll give you a quick one. <laughs> That's probably a really horrible one to say. No, I won't. You're not, Never mind. You're not helping us at all, are you? <laughs> I'm really not because I'm getting ready to talk about how I really was mean to an old woman, so I'm going to skip that one. Oh, no, we, <laughs> want, no, no, we want that. You want to hear it? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Most of our listeners are just like us. Yeah, well, and, that, and that's the funny thing. So you guys didn't understand. I was in this was years ago, and I'm standing in a McDonald's with my uh, with my wife at the time, and we're standing there, and we are literally in line. It was a very crowded McDonald's, but we were standing in line, and this little old woman just comes up, looks at us, and then steps right in front of me and goes up to the register. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm kind of stunned, and everybody around me is just kind of looking, and the people in line are looking, and I'm like. Well, I guess that's what happens when you're just about to die. You get to be <laughs> awesome. <laughs> that sounds exactly like something Miguel would say. Oh, come on. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> so, wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. You're worried about me and, and me, people not liking me because of that little spider kid crying. <laughs> and you just abused a little Spider kid may be listening. I don't think that old woman's still alive. We're safe with mine. <laughs> oh, that makes it better. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go back to Phoenix this year. The kid will have heard this, and he's going to hunt us down. It's <laughs> nice just you guys. Button. Between you and I both, I'm not afraid of that little dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. That is pretty funny. So I heard you mention earlier that some of you guys, I remember which one of you guys, said you really don't watch a lot of TV, so you probably haven't seen some good stuff on TV like Arrow and Supernatural. And <laughs> Why do you always throw oh, Supernatural I'm, in there? I'm actually watching Arrow on Netflix. Um, yeah. Uh, Right now, and I'm going to because we're trying to get into season two, um, and you know, Agents of Shield. I, I've got to go watch that oh, yes. episode as soon as I am done with you guys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, TV stuff I try and keep up with it, at least a little bit uh, on some of the really good stuff. But you know, just like I said, Arrow, I'm catching up on because I hate waiting for a freaking week. But Agents of Shield got me sucked in, so can't help it. Yeah, they're both great. They both had great finales for season two, mm-hmm. or season two for Arrow, season one for Agents of Shield, but. uh they just released the trailers for Constantine and for Flash. Yes, oh, I saw yeah. that. And actually, today they released the uh, five-minute extended trailer for Flash. I am blown away. It is amazing looking. Uh, now, I'm curious, but I haven't watched it yet, but does anybody remember The Flash from the 90s? Yes. Yeah. I loved that show. <laughs> I did, too. I, I only saw the first like three or four episodes of it, but I really enjoyed that what I did see. That guy is going to be. He's going to make an appearance in the CW one. Yeah, he's supposed oh, to. Really? Yes. Mm-hmm. Nice. The uh, nice. the storyline. Yeah, I, I love the imagery and the mural art that they had on every wall. Yeah, this really badass mural and everything. Loved that show. It looks like the storyline for the new Flash is uh, taken straight out of New Fifty Two. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's basically the Reverse Flash story because I mean, you see Reverse Flash show up and, and kill his mom in the trailer, and uh, you see him talk to Green Arrow, and I mean, it's just. So many cool things happen in the trailer. We posted a link to it on our uh, Facebook page, and we posted it on Twitter as well. So, you know, any of our listeners who haven't seen it yet, I don't know what you're doing, but you need to go watch it. Yeah, CW's <laughs> not messing around. 
that that's going to be. I mean, we talked about how Arrow looks and what they did with this show and how we thought it was amazing. How the first season was like amazing. The second season didn't disappoint either. And how Flash, uh, it's, it's just escalated. It's getting better every episode. Flash looks like they took another step, and they're like, I mean, it's just, it's just going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. And that just makes me feel that season three Arrow is going to be even more off the chain. Yeah, and the exciting thing about Arrow is that uh, it comes back in October. We don't have to wait that long for season three. Now, here's my deal with Arrow, and see if you guys agree, because I haven't really researched this or anything, but my wife and I watch Arrow, and we like the show. Um, you know, a little heavy on some of the drama, relationship stuff that seems to be silly, but the, the cop that's the girl's dad, mm-hmm. worst over-actor in history. <laughs> he pulls it back a little bit in season two. Season one, I agree with you completely. Pull it back, oh I'm yeah. Like, Good God. Yeah, Paul Blackthorne, I think is his name. He gets he gets much less uh, invested in what's going on in season two. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> Seriously, we, we just every time he comes on, we're just like, I'm really going to be acting now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, season two is really really good. Um, and then, of course, the Constantine trailer. I want to touch on that a little bit, too. Oh, man. Um, surprisingly good-looking, coming from NBC. Stop talking yes. about the guy like that. Talk about the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> no, but, I mean, really, the guy fits the, yeah, he the part, and you know, he's totally. he's a cocky little asshole, just like Constantine's supposed to be. Yes. Um, man. The scenes with, I... the, scenes with the, the spirits and whatnot... Like the girl who has all the black goo just dripping out of her eyes and her mouth, and yep. it's some pretty intense imagery for NBC. The angel. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is. Oh, I I am so unbelievably stoked about it when I watched the trailer because that you know my my stuff for me you know for my formula is is Sandman and, and Hellblazer. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's like <laughs> I just like danced all around my office just when I saw the trailer. Did everybody hate Keanu that much? No, I didn't. I got the movie. Yeah, but I thought it was okay. He but wasn't him. You know. <laughs> he wasn't John. Everybody hated Keanu. Whoa. And now it's like this. It's like, well. He'll always be Ted to me. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so great. It's just Keanu. Every movie. I'm Keanu. And that's, that's really the dude has no chops whatsoever. There is not a movie that he has done that has not been just, just Keanu. Different hair. Keanu. Point break. Keanu. <laughs> Probably the most true to Keanu. The ex-president. <laughs> Johnny Utah. That's right. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the, the movie, I, I own it. It's cool. I like the movie, and I like the story. But the, the new the new show, dude, that dude is spot on John Constantine, man. Right. Just walking by the gate, and it's like, oh, bollocks, and comes back. And I'm just like, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then last week we talked about it. You've probably seen that trailer as well. Gotham? Yes. Yes. Yeah. TV's just going to be the... Wow. TV's going to be great. DC's just killing it on the TV, it looks like. I mean, Arrow's been fantastic. All of these new shows look fantastic. Um, I'm really excited to see what Marvel's going to do with their street-level shows that are going to be Netflix-exclusive. I want to see Daredevil, and I want to see Iron Fist in the worst possible way. Yeah. That's all I care about, honestly. I don't. Netflix can... Whatever. They can put out crap for the next year and a half. <laughs> I couldn't care less. All I want to see is Iron Fist done proper. I would love to see that as well. That is, to me, that's my favorite Marvel book of the past five, ten years. Was that, that Ed, what was, no, not Ed Brubaker, Matt, Matt Fraction, Ed Brubaker run on Iron Fist when they relaunched. Mm-hmm. The Seven Cities and all that stuff. Oh my god, that stuff was perfect. 
Those are two of my least favorite characters. Really? <laughs> <laughs> oh, did, did you read the Seven Cities? No, he hasn't read it. No, I haven't read oh, it. Oh, dude, you've got to pick that up. That'll change so quickly. We've been reading the new book. <laughs> the new book's really good. Yeah. Car Andrews has been doing a great job with Iron Fist, I think. Yes. Um, it, it's David Ahar, the dude who's working on a Hawkeye, or who was working on Hawkeye. And like that fraction, it, they just they knock it out of the park every issue. Yeah. I enjoyed Hawkeye. That was the trade <laughs> you picked up. That was pretty good. I don't know. I don't know why you hate Daredevil so much. Because you're shoving him down my throat. That's why. <laughs> Here, read this Daredevil book. Wait a minute. Whoa. So there is actual Daredevil hate. <laughs> Miguel doesn't like Daredevil. I mean, I've had him read some of the really good, more recent stuff, and he's just only time I liked him get into when, he, when he was hanging with the Punisher and Spider Man. That's what I like. Well, when he was like with whenever he's with Spider Man or he's with the Punisher, I like him then. When he has bit parts and he's not really the focus of the story. Exactly. He doesn't need a book. <laughs> See, I disagree. I really like Daredevil. I always have. Like, I think Daredevil has great villains, and as I've said before many times, heroes are usually defined by their villains. And yeah. Daredevil, you know, has a great rogues gallery, so he's automatically a fairly good hero. But then you add into it the the personal life versus the hero life, and the fact that he comes out and admits who he is to the world, and still continues to do what he's doing. Like, he's a great hero. And the fact that every single issue, every time you have a new artist, they always draw his radar sense different. Mm-hmm. That to me is amazing. I love seeing how I loved um, what's his face? Um, the dude who relaunched the very first relaunch with Mark Wade. I can't remember his name. It's escaping me. But the way he drew the first cover, so it was all the sounds formulating the city of New York, the skyline. Mm-hmm. Oh, I loved the hell out of that. That was perfect. I'll get you to come around eventually. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm trying to get you to come around on Captain America. That's what I bought. I bought Daredevil number one. The other book. I don't. I don't hate Captain America. He's just my least favorite Avenger. What do you think about him now? Original Sin. Pretty sure he still hates him. <laughs> Come on, that's Captain America. Yeah, he's Captain. Exactly. He's, <laughs> he's Captain America. I mean, it's there's not much more you can do with him than has already been done. That's my problem with that character. I don't know. Captain America goes to hell. Yeah, I mean, he's been in an alternate dimension for the last two years or whatever, right? Yeah. Yeah, in the Marvel Now storyline. Oh, God, I have so much to catch up on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Cap's, Cap's fine. I don't hate Cap or anything. I'm just not a big enough fan of Cap that I have to buy a Captain America book. Blade? <laughs> what? <I> read, <laughs> <laughs> with it. He, said, he said Blade. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, about vampires today. Blade. <laughs> well, Blade's apparently not popular enough to have his own series anyway. So. He was wearing a Spider-Man costume. That was uh, actually Ronan. Oh, that's right. Ronan, Ronan today. My bad. They need the old Blade costume from the '70s with the afro and the white. Mm-hmm. Bring it back. <laughs> and the big and the big uh, visor shades. Yes. <laughs> Nothing is terrifying like that. Except for the bat dong. <laughs> oh Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> back to bat dong. <laughs> I give that story two dongs down. <laughs> Sad dongs. Bad dongs. And that's the name of the episode now? <laughs> Very Dongs over Gotham. <laughs> Very well, maybe. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, here, I'll help you, trans- I'll help you flow into the next subject. You were also reading Gambit. Yeah, I actually thought the Gambit series was pretty interesting, the one that just ended. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, It was focused on him being a thief and breaking away from the superhero stuff. It was just him trying to be a scoundrel like he always you know, claimed he was. It was nice to see, get to see him do that. Now he's an X-Factor. Now he's back in the superhero world, back in X-Factor. It's actually a good book. Um, but you're you're referring to the news that Channing Tatum's going to play Gambit. That's right. Um, oh, no. 
hell? It's a very polarizing uh, choice they've made. Yeah, it's a, you know, know, it's another Affleck thing, dude. I, I see no, no reason why Channing Tatum couldn't do. Really? Couldn't do. <laughs> well, well, he's going to dance and throw cards. Um, number one, he's not French. Or not even close to being anywhere near that. Number two, okay, have you seen him act? these things called actors. Yeah, he's not one of them. Roles. <laughs> yeah, he's not and, one of them. And, have you seen G.I. Joe? White House Down? Yeah, exactly. No. Step up. Uh, I agree. He hasn't Step had up. he hasn't had a role that's really proven him as an actor at this point. Twenty One Jump Street. But he's had a couple of goes at it, so it's not like we don't know that he can't act. But I think that people have started giving him roles where he can just be himself, where he doesn't really have to act anymore. Um, like you're saying, Twenty One Jump Street. He just had to be play like an idiot cop, which mm-hmm. you know was perfect for him. You know, right now my son is hating you because <laughs> you're dogging his favorite actor. Oh, sorry, dude. <laughs> <laughs> But, I, I mean, you know, we can be surprised. Anything can be surprising. Like, a lot of people hated the idea of, of Affleck being Batman. I've always said it was going to be okay. I told you, man, he's gotten his chops on here lately. He's been, like, on fire. You know, but, Here's the thing. Do you want to know why they hated him as Batman? Because they hated him as Daredevil. Yeah. yeah but that it. wasn't even his fault. That's just crappy editing. Mm-hmm. Because if you see yeah, the extended I, version... I, I know. That's what I tell everybody. Dude, totally. we should we should be friends here. We are. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook. Thank you, Internet. Like, I, I love the uh, Blu-ray extended version of Daredevil. It's, like, one of my favorite Marvel movies. But everybody I tell that to is just like, no, it was terrible. The theatrical version was garbage. I'm not going to watch it. But Just don't yeah, watch the theatrical I, I agree 100%. <laughs> the theatrical version is garbage. Watch the unedited version. It has so much more stuff. Yeah, it does. So I need to borrow that from you, then. Yeah, you do? Yes. Maybe you'll, maybe you'll change your opinion a little bit. Nice. Probably not. I come back, I love Daredevil! Who was it Colin, Colin, Colin Farrell. Farrell. I liked Bullseye, too. That was my favorite part of the whole damn movie. Me, too. Bullseye's one of my favorite characters of all time, and I actually thought he did a really good job with it. He really did. It was so much fun. And that's kind of the thing you sometimes forget. It's part of the things that make villains really great is they can also be really fun. Yep. Here, here's my issue with that, though, okay? And this is one thing that I didn't like about the movie. So we're post-9-11 world, so we have, like, the highest levels of security leaving countries, going to countries, etc. He got past everything wearing a beanie over the thing that he carved into his head. So he's an international terrorist, an assassin, okay? He, he's gotten an Interpol file, I'm sure. And yeah. he got oh, goodness sakes, Adam. all that security with the carving thing on his head. But he's also working for the Kingpin, who basically has infinite money. And he knows control the docks and how to get into the country. Yeah. Yeah, but he's flying coach. Doesn't matter. It's still controlled. Oh, for goodness sakes, we are honestly arguing comic book logic. <laughs> <laughs> comic book movie logic, that even, where you only get an hour and a half to get all this crap in. <laughs> it bothers me, dude. It bothers me. Oh, like, for goodness sakes. How are you getting in the country, dude? I, when we're done, we're talking about how we suspend belief. You know, I, I just say he's bullseye and he has his ways, you know? Yeah, there you Adam's go. put on like a wig. <laughs> Something, man. Moving along from Adam. Reminds me of the bad scenes with uh, Val Kilmer in The Saint. Yes. I'm like, really? That's a disguise? Really? What? <laughs> Cold fusion. <laughs> Another movie where I'm excited for. First, I got to see the one that's coming out next week. The Saint 2 X-Men. with Val Kilmer today? <laughs> What's that? The Saint 2 with Val Kilmer today. Oh, no. <laughs> the Saint, the bloated edition. <laughs> kiss, kiss, bang, bang, Saint. <laughs> That suit again. <laughs> oh man! Well, you know, X Men comes out next week, mm-hmm. and they've been releasing more stuff about Age of Apocalypse. Well, Brian Singer's just been talking a lot, yeah, uh, to the press. You know, he recently announced Age of Apocalypse 
I mean, we already knew that was coming, but you know, we need to announce Channing Tatum as Gambit. He was talking specifically about an Age of Apocalypse, and he's talking about in the future possibly doing a Gambit spinoff. There's talk of a Mystique spinoff. You know, there's definitely going to be an X Force movie. Oh yeah. Uh, and then he confirmed that Deadpool movie is not dead; it's still moving along, and that Ryan Reynolds is still attached. God, they need to hurry up. <laughs> yeah. No swords coming out of the arms. Ryan Reynolds will be dead. <laughs> he would have made a great one last. Oh yeah. Ryan Reynolds actually could be a lot of characters. In the, I mean, I know he's been cast as three characters so far, but he he could have been very good as a lot of different people from either universe. Um, yeah. I think Daredevil's actually... I mean, Deadpool's actually a really good choice for him, but it has to be well-written. It can't be that garbage that was Wolverine Origins. And there it oh, is. <laughs> we can't make it through an episode without Wolverine no. Origins coming out, can we? No, we cannot. You, He despises that movie. My, my, my man here is a... Uh, Huh? I'm with you. It's, it's absolutely horrible. I made a concerted effort not to watch it. <laughs> the first 30 to 45 minutes of the movie are actually pretty interesting, and then it just all falls apart in like the worst way possible. And, and just the veering and trying to act like certain storylines that you've already covered in movies that you're tying to never existed. Yeah. Uh, if it's a reboot, fine, but you're not rebooting. You're continuing on a storyline, and this is nowhere near. Plus, the whole uh, uh, freaking Sabretooth was his brother crap. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I actually, from way back, I had, like, the Sabretooth number one. I don't know if this is, like, well-known canon or not, but, you know, Sabretooth's origin story in, in Sabretooth 1 that they did back in the early 90s was so cool because he was, you know, uh, his father was a, a, was a, a religious fundamental person that wasn't stable. Right. You know? And, you know, he basically tortured his own son, kept ripping out his nails and everything, and kept him chained in the basement and everything. And it was such a badass story. And then I'm like, and this is what you choose to game him? That sucks. Well, they, they changed that again, too, in, in Origin 2. Basically, Wolverine goes feral, and Sabretooth and his uh, sister meet Wolverine and bring him into the fold and try to tame him again. And that's how Wolverine and Sab- Sabretooth met. Like, they've changed the way that Wolverine and Sabretooth have met so many times that it's really... yeah. Hard to say what's canon and what isn't. Yeah, I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, is everybody. <laughs> sorry, Wolverine's gonna die. That's, that's when they. Oh, yeah. One more time. Let's try this again, kids. Issue one. So yeah, so I'm stoked for the Age of Apocalypse. I'm stoked for the X Men movie coming out this next weekend. I think Apocalypse could be really fun if they do it right. I mean, they gotta have a good Archangel. I yes. think that's crucial to the story. Oh yes. Yeah, and by oh, Age of yeah. Apocalypse, I doubt they're gonna do the alternate reality Age of Apocalypse storyline. They're gonna probably do like Age of Ultron and just give it that name and then make it like the origin of Ultron story or the origin of Apocalypse story. Okay, so next episode, um, we have a couple of big announcements. Uh, we're going to be at Comic Palooza next week. Obviously, we're doing four episodes in a week covering the show. Slave driver. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to do some interviews ahead of time. One of them that we've already confirmed is uh, Greg Capullo. Uh, I don't know what day we're actually going to record that, but he's going to be on the show that we released next Friday. Uh, another one that I set up independently that I'm really excited about, but there was no way to get him on this show, was uh, Claudio Sanchez and his wife, Chandra. Uh, yes. They just released Translucid from Boom. He's also the lead singer of the band Coheed and Cambria, and if you've been paying attention to Facebook and Twitter, we're giving away free passes to Comic Palooza, and one of the questions was, who is Heather's favorite band, and what comic have they written? We had a few entries. Uh, we'll get to that in one second, but he's going to be on the show. Him and his wife are going to be on the show next week for... At least a small interview. The band is amazing. Yeah, I'm really excited about talking to them. The book is awesome. And there may be even one more. I haven't heard everything from the Comic Palooza staff, so you never know. We might get one more interview in there for next week's episode. This bad guy's a horse. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, like I just mentioned, we did have two passes to Comic Palooza, a four-day passes that were given away. Uh, the first one is going to John Perryman for his Merman Blue song that he wrote for us. Hey, John. There was a couple of good songs that got submitted, but John's was the better of the two. Um, and then as far as the emails about the show, uh, I took all those names and put them in a randomizer, and Rick Lopez ah. is the winner of the second pass. Dude, he's won twice now. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you just get lucky. Rick Lopez. <laughs> So that's all I want to talk about about that. Uh, just remind everybody, you can support the show by going to audibletrial.com slash comical. Sign up, I need some money. <laughs> <laughs> or by going to our website and clicking the contribute button. Two of our shows have been submitted to the Geeky Awards for consideration. Uh, anytime you see us post about them on Facebook or Twitter, please retweet them. Spread the word. Let them know we have a good fan base because uh, it could make a difference in whether or not we actually get nominated. Tell Geeky that we're top so we can get to Hollywood. Yeah, Miguel really wants to go to Hollywood. Hollywood! <laughs> <laughs> I want that award, man. Please find us on iTunes and Stitcher and leave us good reviews. Uh, we're really trying to build that up so we can get back on the front page. Please, please, please do that. And then uh, for everybody that lives in Houston, we're going to see you at Comic Palooza. We're going to be there wearing our shirts. So And masks. And Miguel's going to have his merman mask. So please feel free to come up to us and talk to us. Uh, we'd love to interview you and have you on one of the little segments that we record for the night. That's right. Merman will be taking pictures. Yeah. <laughs> hashtag that guy. Yeah, Miguel's <laughs> going to be taking pictures with all the cosplayers, uh, and we're going to be hashtagging it under, I'm your number one fan. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm your number one fan. <laughs> so uh, look for those. Those should be pretty funny. And lastly, uh, follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash comicalpodcast, and on Twitter, at comicalpodcast and at comicalpodcast2. Yes. And for you guys... You can find us on you know on Facebook. You can friend us. We'll friend you back. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, of course, thank you guys for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Your book sounds really cool. We're going to check that out. Uh, I'll post links to your Kickstarter on our Facebook page and on Twitter. And uh, I'll probably contribute some myself, too. So just uh, be on the lookout for that. And uh, you guys have anything else you want to add? Uh, I just thank you so much for having me on. I don't want to interrupt. You were on a roll, man. So, yeah, thank yeah, you so much. Thanks for having us on. Thanks for letting us talk about our book and our Kickstarter. We really appreciate it. Uh, yeah. You know, it's stuff like this and, and, the, and the support that comes from this kind of community that really makes everything, uh, everybody's dreams come true and, and lets us do the things that make us happy. So thank you so much. You guys are totally welcome. No problem. And oh, if you happen to think of something else after the show is over, just email us or whatever. You know, we'll do. Yeah, we'll, we'll be like happy. We'll, be, we'll help you guys however we can. So, uh, Sweet. Yeah. You want to close it out? Yeah, thank you. Uh, we said before, keep on laughing, bitches. <laughs>